Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. talking about the hit tv show my mister which is a tvn drama that came out in 2018 it's a 16 episode cable miniseries directed by kim Wonshuk, who helmed several tv series including Mishang and signal both were huge successes the show was written by Park Hae-young who wrote shows like Old Miss Diary Living Among the Rich and Another Miss O she also co-wrote the film Two Weddings and a Funeral which is an excellent queer film that came out in 2012. I remember watching it at the Busan International Film Festival back when I worked in film acquisition, and I remember really liking it. So I think it's a a film that's worth checking out. It focuses on a gay couple and a lesbian couple who pretend to be married to each other's spouses in order to pass as hetero. It's an interesting plot line, and I think it's worth seeing. It's directed by one of the very few... uh, probably the only uh, gay Korean filmmaker and activist, Kim Jo Kwang-soo. Not the only gay, but the only openly gay one. My Mister started airing from March 21st through May 17th, 2018. The issue with that is the uh, Me Too Korea movement had really started to pick up steam around February 2018. Uh, in fact, one of the originally casted actors in My Mister was Oh Dae-soo, but he was outed for sexually harassing an actress, so they replaced him with another actor. In addition to that, the show has scenes of a lone shark gangster beating up a woman, and uh, there were many complaints from viewers written to the Korea Communications Commission. On top of that, a lot of people misconstrued the show's promotional materials. They assumed, based on the trailer and the posters and ads, that this was a Lolita-like plotline about romance between an older man and a young woman, but the show is not at all about that. It's it's a show about a middle-aged man named Dongun who is in a rut in terms of his career and marriage, and there is a 21-year-old woman named Jian who lives with her disabled grandmother. She works multiple jobs just to make ends meet and pay off a loan shark who beats her, stalks her, you know, he's a nightmare. Office politics are trying to push Tonghun out of the company through a bribe containing gift certificates, but he doesn't take it. He leaves it in his desk drawer, but Jian sees it at the office, so she steals it in order to pay off her her debt, but the loan sharks don't accept gift certificates, so she ends up throwing out that money instead. The CEO of the company where Tongun works at is To Junyoung, and he's having an affair with Tongun's wife. Junyoung also used to be Tongun's junior, Hube, in college, and they fucking hate each other. This show reminds me of the classic tenets of melodrama, which typically has a very clear victim and very clear villain. In this case, the victims are Tongun and Jian, but they also both find each other way more pitiful than the other, and they feel a great sense of uh, sympathy for each other. The melancholia in Tongun's character is particularly striking. He's a very morose person, very sullen. He's morally upright, 
And this is like a major aspect of his character. In fact, this show makes him the moral hero. Uh, but there are complexities to characters like Jian, who eventually teams up, up with To Junyoung in order to frame Tong Eun and get him fired in exchange for money so that she could stop being harassed by this loan shark. The idea was that Jian would frame Tong Eun with the scandal, have him outed, but as she monitors Tong Eun's life through phone tapping, she develops feelings for him. There are many scenes of toxic masculinity in this drama, but the show doesn't really fetishize it. In fact, it's a very sharp critique of male toxicity in Korean society. It's different from the other Korean dramas where you know, toxically masculine men are revered or admired and it's like part of a romantic plot line. But this show does not do that. There there are multiple scenes where executives are screaming at service workers disrespectfully using informal uh, ways of speech. And the mise-en-scene frames them as foolish. And all of the executives face some kind of punishment eventually in the narrative to varying degrees. Tong Eun's younger brother used to be a filmmaker, but he got shut out of the industry because of his shitty temper. And an actress that he used to mistreat on set reappears in his life and makes him reckon with his toxic past, which he starts to make amends for. The way that Jian monitors Tong Eun is like a CCTV that monitors all the men's behaviors and determines them as either decent or indecent, moral or immoral. So in this sense, Jian's surveillance has a godlike status. This is another mild critique of the prevalence of spy cams all over Korea. South Korea bans pornography, so a way to circumvent that is exploitative people who install spy cams in in women's bathrooms or locker rooms, a lot of hotels, in order to get footage of women's bodies and upload them on the internet. In fact, Chung Jun-young, this K-pop star, I suppose, he was in an indie band, he was in a lot of Korean variety shows, um, and he was a radio DJ. He got caught in a scandal for filming himself having sex with women without their consent and sharing that footage with other young men most of whom are in the K-pop scene. And he was convicted for raping women under the influence and he received a five-year prison sentence. Giving Jian the ability to play God through phone tapping and spy on men's conversations is equipping her with auditory voyeurism that spies on gendered power imbalance and unethical male behavior in Korean society. The one person who passes her test is Tong Eun, who remains righteous throughout this entire drama. When Jian makes a couple of moves on him to blackmail him, he rejects both of her moves outrightly, doesn't accept it. And this makes My Mister stand out among all the other dramas for me. It doesn't fall into the typical uh, narrative of the Lolita complex ridden man and the daddy issue woman. And the feelings that Jian has for Tong Eun isn't just romance. She likes him for his warmth and how he treats her like a person, which nobody else in her life does. And Tong Eun helps her, you know, get her grandmother into her nursing home. He buys her dinner, listens to her stories, offers advice as an adult, introduces her to the entire neighborhood that they share, and gives her a network of people that she could look to and depend on. What I love about this show is its humanity. And there's a Buddhist monk as a character in the show as well. And many Buddhist sayings that feel incredibly comforting, like, you know, it's nothing. 
or once you know a person, they can do anything and it won't matter to you. And I love the humaneness that this drama has. And My Mister ended up winning numerous awards, including Best Actress for IU, Grand Prize for Best Drama and Best Screenplay. And IU plays uh, Yi Jian on this show and she gives such an incredible performance. Like I've always liked IU, but this show just reaffirmed all my beliefs in her talent. Park Dong-un is played by Yi Seon-gyun, who's been in many dramas. The the two big ones you would recognize him in are Pasta with Kong Yoo-jin and another is Coffee Prince. Yi Seon-gyun tends to play the cuckolded man quite often. It's like a brand for him in some ways. Like he was in another drama where his wife cheats on him called My Wife is Having an Affair opposite Song Ji-yo. Uh, even in Coffee Prince, the woman he dates left him for another man for a while before returning to him. So, yeah, I don't know. It's like this pattern with him. Lee sung has got this uh, sad face. And my mister characterizes him perfectly with this one line. Which means a person who appears miserable, but out of their own righteousness. And I like Lee Sung-gyun a lot. He's done quite a few movies. He's been in a number of Hong Sang-soo's films, like Nobody's Daughter, Hewan, Oki's movie, and Night and Day. I would say Night and Day is probably my favorite Hong Sang-soo film. And Lee Sung-gyun, of course, is also in the Oscar-winning Bong Joon-ho movie, Parasite, where he plays the rich father that gets killed in the end. Uh, I guess, spoiler alert for Parasite. I mean, if you haven't seen Parasite at this point, I don't. I can't help you. Here's a fun fact. Yi Seung-gyun is married to actress Chun Hye-jin, who is in a couple of big dramas you'll recognize, like I'm Sorry, I Love You and Search WWW. Another fun fact is that the woman who plays Yoon Hee, dong wife in My Mister, is actress Yi ji and she used to be married to Seo tae and she used to live in Georgia and Arizona for a bit when they were married. She also briefly dated Jung Woo-sung, and I am very impressed by her dating record. Today's guest is Erica Ratcliffe. She's a stand-up comedian, writer, and filmmaker based in Berlin, but she's originally from Vienna. She's been on numerous uh, German television shows. She's been on German Comedy Central's Roast Battles. She's written for German TV, and she's also the co-host of her own podcast called Awkward Brunch. So let's talk to Erica. My um, fucking neighbor... His alarm has been going off since 7.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. And it is now 8.09 a.m. And he still hasn't turned it off. He's still not up. It's Maybe he's dead. <laughs> Genuinely, <laughs> like, I wouldn't mind because he did this yesterday, too. His alarm went off for two mm-hmm. hours straight. It did not stop. And it's like, if you're not going to wake up at 7.30... Why are you setting it at 7.30? Also, like, what's the point, right? Because an alarm is set so that you can wake up at that hour. I think in Germany, people would call the police. (laughs) That's the one thing I really miss about Germany is, like, it's so quiet, you know? Like, the neighbors, it's just quiet. The, The buildings are built so that it's not too noisy. The neighbors are quiet. Like, people are just quiet. It's nice. It depends on where you live. Um, where I'm living yeah. right now, it's very loud. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you still in vetting? Mm-hmm. Are you still at the same place? No, I moved in with Tyrone. Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't How know long if you've ago? been to this place. No. Uh, from August. Oh. Since August. So during pandemic, 
Yeah. Are you already okay. recording? Yeah, it's recording. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just bought a bunch of furniture yesterday, so. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so my room Look at you. Better. Did you uh, bring your, um, that baby statue with you? The, the, the legs? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's so funny. Every person, every friend we've been to my house hated the, these, these legs of the dolls. They're yeah. like saying, like at night they're saying it, it's like moving around and shit. Like, I think you think it's haunted. <laughs> yeah, it could, it could seem scary, but like, nah, I was just like, oh, this is on brand for Erica mm -hmm. to have this in her place. I like cute, creepy things. Yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> cute, creepy. So you didn't study film in undergrad? I thought you studied film. I did a film. I went to film school for nine months. It was yeah. like a small independent school in Berlin. Mm, and I okay. just did that for nine months. So I don't have a degree or anything. Oh, okay. Oh, but you ha I mean, who needs a degree for filmmaking? You just need the skills. That's pretty much it. Yeah, you just need to learn how to do stuff and then mm -hmm. you learn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like manual labor, I feel like, filmmaking mm -hmm. for the most part. I mean, there's some things you have to learn, like how to set up the light. and mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's a learning by doing thing, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's very physical, yeah. Um, yeah, like, are you working on another film at the moment? or? We're working on a web series. We're writing a web series. Okay. That's yeah, great. And I hope we can shoot in January or February. Wow, you like filming in the winter. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of stupid because it gets really cold in Berlin. Yeah. I saw your uh, first short film. Was it Berlin Asshole? Yeah. Yeah. That's we shot it outside. Yeah, we yes. shot it outside. People hated me. Yeah. <laughs> I think we only shot like for one and a half or two hours outside and then went back, like for, take a break in the car and we just ate cookies and then went outside again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That sounds yeah. nice. You had a small crew though, right? Yeah, it was just uh, three, four people. Mm -hmm. Do you like it? Do you like the process of filmmaking? I like creating my own things, just shows, whatever. Yeah film web series because usually if you you know have a writer's team or write for bigger production there is a lot of stuff you can't do and yeah, yeah. i hate it when like in i don't know if that also happens in the u.s but in germany a lot of times when i do shows or especially tv shows they introduce me as the half austrian half japanese girl and it's just yeah <laughs> and they don't do that with any other comedian you just yeah. have to they have yeah. to warn the people like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not necessary like mm -hmm. you know we have we have a lot of like queer comics out here like we don't say oh here comes a trans woman comedian <laughs> on stage it's like you don't need we don't do that so why do you have to say it with like asian comics they don't even say like they don't even say, here comes a black male comic oh on stage. They don't say that. They don't. But when it's Asian comics, they fucking almost always have to qualify the Asian-ness of that comic by announcing it. It's bizarre. Yeah. I get that. That's annoying. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what can be done to make that stop. 
I think the problem is that a lot of Asians don't talk back. They're just like, oh, okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess one way is like once you get to stage, be like, yeah, the Asian comic, you know, and just like make fun of the whoever just. But the then they all whomever. laugh and they're like, oh, okay, we did the joke for her, you know, <laughs> they don't get that it's fine. <laughs> so where in Austria did you grow up? In Vienna. Okay, so city, Austria. I was talking to Tobias the other day. That's why I asked you. I think I I knew this. I knew this about you, and I'm asking you because Tobias grew, grew up in up like in this, right? <laughs> yeah, like some yeah. bumfuck town, um, where he, like his mom was. She was the physical education teacher and the religion teacher and the geography teacher. Like she did <laughs> all three. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what was school like for you in Vienna? Uh, I mean, I didn't like it. That's why I left Vienna. <laughs> mm. But it's it's a very like even Vienna is the biggest city in Austria because it's the capital city, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's the most liberal city in Austria. But mm-hmm. I think it's still very conservative. And mm. in what sense? I, think, I mean, like I don't think there are like they always. I just remember we always bullied other people who were not from Austria. Mm. and i was also bullied because of that and but mm. i didn't see that that it's wrong and i just bullied other people also you know just uh, yeah and i think that was like a really common thing just to bully bully everybody who wasn't from austria mm-hmm. and mm. i remember i had uh, a gay i had great gay friends growing up in vienna and um they were really bullied they were bullied a lot i think they were bullied the most Mm. so i don't i can't imagine like tobias growing up in the countryside how much she was bullied there you know (laughs) but it also depends yeah i mean there are like Mm. liberal schools where like i switched to a liberal school and it was much better there Mm. and so it depends on where in which uh part you grew up but you know my mom she wanted me to go to the best school and get the Mm -hmm. best grades so it was at the worst school (laughs) you know very strict very catholic yeah. And I don't think that's like healthy for children to live like that. I totally agree. Like, I don't think parents, especially, I mean, I don't want to generalize or make a stereotype or affirm any stereotypes, but um, this is a pattern I just notice among Asian parents in particular. They always emphasize the best. They're like the best one. Go to a suburb, send them to a private school, and they don't realize how fucking white it is. It is so white and they don't realize how awful that can be for a child of color. And like, that's pretty much what happened to me as well. Like, you know, when I was in, I mean, first of all, I wasn't born in the States. I was born in Korea. And then, you know, I moved to Brooklyn, which is a very diverse, uh, you know, place, right? It's in New York, it's Brooklyn, it's, you know, and we didn't even live in rich Brooklyn. We lived in like a very... um you know, just very, very quaint kind of like middle class, very middle class kind of uh, part of Brooklyn. And it was very diverse. Like every single kid was like of a different racial or ethnic background in our class, pretty much. And um, and then they moved us to Jersey for a bit. And Jersey, they moved us to like a very Korean part of Jersey. It was like a Korea town. It's called Palisades Park in New Jersey. 
everybody was fucking Korean. Like 75% of the kids were Korean. So I didn't feel different. And then in middle school, like as I was reaching adolescence, that's when they moved us to um, like the suburban part of New York, which is very, very white. Like everybody's dad was a cop or a firefighter, you know, like they were all Irish (laughs) and they were like, it was a nightmare going to that school. And I remember um, distinctly, do you remember... um, I don't know, you study political science, you probably know about this, but you know, like, uh, America's history with the Japanese internment camps? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so like during World War II, during World War II, America was like, well, it, well, Japan's like an enemy of the state, so let's round up every single Japanese person in America, including, you know, Japanese Americans who fucking fought for the country. Let's round them up, put them put them in camps and like make them live there you know just like imprisoned them just dislocated them and imprisoned them gave took away all their rights just because they were japanese and we were learning about this i remember i was like in seventh grade and the teacher is talking about this and every single kid was like well america did the right thing it's like we can't trust them (laughs) and i was just like (laughs) And I was the only one who spoke up and said, do you not understand what we're learning about? We're learning about a mistake that America made in history. Like, how are you understanding, misunderstanding this? And the teacher was like, yeah, like, that's not the point. And I was like, you're fucking up your job too, teacher lady. Because, like, they all think (laughs) that racism is okay. And there was a Japanese-American student in class. And they're like, well, Kyoko's not saying anything. I was like, Kyoko never says anything. She never ever says anything. Okay? Don't go to Kyoko. I'm I'm pissed off because this is just immoral. It's unethical, you know? I mean, that's the kind of school that my parents fucking chose to put us in. And yeah, like, I, I think when parents have children of color, right, they need to look at the school system beyond just credentials and see the diversity aspect too is this a diverse institution you know like how many what percentage are you know like brown and black like you know what what are the what's the income level like class diversity i think they need to look at all of those things i don't think they're even aware that they're person of color i mean i can only uh, speak for my mom and yeah I think she I think she thinks that she's white or she's just completely not aware like the thing she says it's just so crazy and fucked up sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think I think I don't know how other Asian people are but I I'm I'm not sure if they're really aware of that. Yeah, I mean for the most part they're not aware either, especially if they're immigrants, you know? Like mm-hmm. your mother was an immigrant, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if they're immigrants like they don't have that extra layer, but Sometimes, like, there have been conversations I've had with my mom, like, every once in a while, we'll talk about something, and, like, she'll try to express a discomfort she went through that's, like, racialized, like, microaggression or something, and she's not able to put it into words, and then I'll say, well, that's because that lady was white, and she was asking you a rude question, and she'll be like, yes, you know, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. it suddenly, like, strikes her, she's like, oh, like, I didn't have the language to name what this was, but, oh, he or she is naming it for me and it's like okay like i think in that aspect i don't know some some conversations can be useful or productive between a child and and a parent because it's not like your mother didn't 
suffer racism. She has, right? Um, it's just maybe she doesn't know how to name it yet, or it hasn't been organized in a way or categorized in her mind yet. I think she she just ignores it. She does. Mm. She tries not to speak about it. Yeah. A lot of times, like even as a child, I when I look back sometimes at some experiences, and I and I just realize now that it was racism. Like as a child, you don't know. You just think it's just normal, <laughs> you know. Let me ask you this: uh, Did you did you watch any like Japanese television when you were growing up? Uh, yeah, I watched a lot of dramas and mm -hmm. uh, variety shows. Mm -hmm. How did you access those shows as a kid? How what? How did you access the shows when um, you were a kid? Online. Oh, okay. Just, All right. Yeah. I forget that you're like younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And were there like uh, certain streaming sites that you could go to for these things? Or did you have to just look them up and download them illegally or something? I think most of it was illegal. There was mm -hmm. this website, Crunchyroll. I don't know. There mm -hmm. was a lot of yeah. like, Chinese, Korean, Japanese drama yeah. on it. Yeah. And you can watch them online. Okay. Oh, that's cool. And like, do you think you actively like s sought these programs out for a reason? I mean, I think just in growing up in Europe, you don't watch, you don't watch, uh, a lot of people don't watch uh, uh, Japanese shows on TV. Mm -hmm. You can't watch them, of course, on TV. Mm -hmm. And I grew up watching Japanese movies. So I think I just naturally thought, okay, I want to watch Japanese shows too. Yeah, I think you get very flexible if you grew up with a different culture than like the Western culture, because I just remember whenever I go to like a friend who's Turkish or Arabic or whatever, I just follow their rules like automatically. I'm like, okay, this is a different household, so I have to do their rules now. So, and I think a lot of people who don't grow up with a, you know, who grew up German, they don't know that, okay, now we have to change the rules, you know, like mm -hmm. they don't, they're not as flexible, I feel like sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you're no longer the default, mm -hmm. suddenly the wires cross and like there's this glitch in the brain. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, no, no, this isn't your house. It's somebody else's. Got to respect their thing. That's why like uh, when I see like white tourists in Asia, I oftentimes get very irritated, you know, mm -hmm. because they'll say things or behave in a way that's completely unacceptable. But as, as kind of like you say, like, you know, sometimes like Asians, they, they won't complain. They'll just say, thank you. <laughs> and bow. <laughs> and thank bow. you, Mr. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they just, these white people are like wreaking havoc on the land and, and the whites have no idea that they're being so fucking offensive and, unacceptable yeah just like my, my dad is a white austrian and now he's like he's always going to thailand right now and it's just and his girlfriend is thai and, just, <laughs> and i can't get over it it makes me so angry and nobody understands it it's like oh now he's just dating a thai why not you know <laughs> it's his fifth asian woman in a row why not oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> i mean yeah it's like that's hard to address but I mean, you studied political science, so you would know, like, there's this thing called global hierarchy and colonization and all these concepts. And I don't know, like, this was years ago. There's this guy, he's a, a real estate mogul. So he's very, very wealthy, like millions. He owns buildings. 
and you know he's in new york so he's very very wealthy and he's like very unattractive he's overweight he's like very fat he's bald he's like 40 something he looks terrible and he's very insecure right and all he does is date asian chicks (laughs) and i asked him i was like why do you always date asian girls like aren't you embarrassed and then he goes well american women don't want to be with me and i was like what the fuck i'm I'm american like i'm asian american what the fuck what do you mean american and he goes like white women they don't want to be with me but asians will be with me and i was like ugh, you know it's just the fact that he was so blatant about that answer you know to an asian american woman that's like (laughs) questioning him that just grossed me out even more and i was just like I had very little respect for you before, but now it's like almost completely depleted. And then the other Asian American women around me who were closer friends to him, when I s- said this to them, they were just like, "Ah, oh, no, that's just him. Like, we don't think he's, we don't think he has an Asian fetish. I'm like, he dated like almost all of you. What are you talking about? You know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we all, I guess everybody deals with to some extent, um, a will like willingness to turn a blind eye to something you know or make excuses for something or um, ignore something repress something all of us do it to some extent but yeah when something like that's in my face I don't know I have a little more trouble with it yeah it's hard to deal with it but if it's I mean if it's if he's not related to you he's not a good friend then um you know it's hard to mention it but I Personally, I couldn't date a guy who has dated three Asian women before me. <laughs> yeah. Because then he doesn't like me because of, of who I am, but yeah. just because of my ethnicity. Exactly. Okay, well, that's cool that um, you watched a lot of Japanese content growing up. Is there like um, a particular Japanese drama or variety show that sticks out that you're like, oh, this was like my favorite or anything like that? I mean, as a teenager, I watched Hana Yoridango all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Boys Over Flowers. There's also a Korean remake of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's super stupid, but yeah. it's, you know, it's romantic, cute, whatever. Yeah. And right now, I'm really into Downtown. It's like good. There are two. There are two Germ- uh, Japanese comics and. Uh-huh. There, there are no. There's not really stand-up comedy Japan. It's just like always like a two-man group, a two-woman group, a three-women group, whatever. Uh-huh. And they just do sketches to with each other. And they're my favorite right now because they're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's an example of like mean comedy? I just love how they do the talk show. It's just like they talk and then just roast them in between all the time. Ah. So yeah. it's I like that I like that it's so um, that it's so dense, you know. Uh huh. Cruel yeah. banter, like in your face, mm-hmm. unapologetic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I see a lot of that in Korean variety shows too, and talk shows as well. Like, it, it's never just one host. It's usually like a collective, a panel, and all they do is talk shit about one another to their faces, and it's like very refreshing to see considering how like the rest of the cu- culture and society like they need to be so polite all the time you know i think um that's part of the reason why a lot of these shows are entertaining to um like you know 
the Japanese or the Koreans. It's like the society is so repressed in a lot of ways. But when you watch a drama, like they start doing things that they would never, ever do in so-called normal or real life, you know, like like one one gimmick right like it was always a soap opera gimmick gimmick where you th throw water in somebody's face because they piss you off but then in korea they they turned it into this like hyper hysterical level where they take a big thing of cabbage kimchi and they smack somebody in the face with it or <laughs> they take a, a hunk of pork belly and they smack somebody in the face with it and it's like they're taking it to this excess level of, of like the beyond um but yeah, it's like normally it would that's like not proper social decorum, right? So it's like we have to watch it in order to get some kind of satisfaction out of it or something. It's crazy how much uh, in Japanese variety show they hit each other and punch each other. And it's just <laughs> imagine watching Conan and it just he starts punching his guests. Like that would <laughs> never happen. <laughs> he should start doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah lack of boundaries mm -hmm. yeah it's a it's a thing it's like i don't i don't want to call it a problem it's only a problem when it's like uncomfortable to me but it lack of boundaries is definitely like an east asian cultural thing like nobody knocks you just like fucking barge in <laughs> you know they they question your your physical face like why is your face like this why are you so fat why are you so short you know why are your hands so ugly like just to your face right uh things that would be like you know to white people they'd be like oh my god i can't believe they said that to you but it's like no but this is the norm here or this is the norm among my family and then when i go and see my family i tell them i'm like just because it, this seems normal to you it doesn't make it right you know you shouldn't say these things to one another um i do try and make that effort but yeah, i think lack of boundaries <laughs> is what it is you know, if I say that I get dated, my mom just says, "Okay, I slap you." If you say it again, okay, <laughs> slap me. I'm almost thirty. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I know exactly. When you're still hitting your child when they're like grown up, it's embarrassing for everybody. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of immigrants have the same mm -hmm. kind of upbringing. Like when I talk to Turkish, Arabs, <laughs> uh, Black families, like they, they all beat their kids. The same upbringing. <laughs> They all beat like their very kids. Similar, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's got to stop because it does yeah. brew resentment, you know. And that's the thing about like the lack of boundaries thing. When I was talking about East Asia and like lack of boundaries, it's like the lack of boundaries thing. Not only does it lead to pain, but it also leads to a lot of intimacy, like a sense of closeness and bonding, and a greater sense of humor. You know, like, that's why the sketch shows are so funny to you. That's why the variety shows are so funny to me. It's because, like, they're invading on each other's personal boundaries. Like, they'll even talk about, like, I mean, they're on television, right? They know they're on television. They'll be like, I, uh, so I hear that you're dating so-and-so. And they're like, they're like, why are you outing my personal private life? But seeing that reaction is so funny, you know? That's such an invasion of privacy, and I'm just like, I love it. It's so hilarious. So there are benefits to to lack of boundaries as well that I don't want to forego. But yeah, beating the kid thing that I'm just like so against. Yeah, and that helped really with my comedy too, where I just think, okay, you can say it out loud what you're thinking, and it's very outrageous. But if it's funny, it's okay. Exactly. Like I wouldn't say it like at home if it's you know 
but if it's if you have if you're in a show or somewhere then and you have to be funny then yeah just be just be annoying just be rude as long as it's funny if it, because yeah let's get to some flashcard questions did you get a chance mm-hmm. to see my mister at all i watched the beginning of the first episode <laughs> <laughs> it's heavy huh it's a really great show. I it's very different from things like Boys Over Flowers. It's not this like um cutesy, sweet, romantic kind of thing. It's pure drama. It's very realist and uh it's it's heavy, but I it feels like um you know like one of those like epic dramas like a, The Sopranos or like Mad Men or some shit like that, you know, like uh quote unquote highbrow. It feels a little bit like on that, but um, I I love this show so much. It looked really good and it has a lot of awards. It won a lot of awards, right? It did. It did. Yeah. But the timing when it was released, it, they released it in March of 2018. And this was like right when Korea's Me Too movement was starting. And the timing was just so bad that like so many people reacted negatively to the show when it first released all these people were commenting negatively they were like how dare you show like a program where a girl is getting beaten down by a man like what is your problem you're so insensitive this show is so tone deaf and they were just like brutalizing this show like the fans comments or the viewers comments were very brutal and like the um, the Korea Communications Commission even like fined them. They were like they sent a warning to the producers, be like, you can't show this this kind of content. But like the director and like all the cast members were like begging viewers. They were like, please just watch till the end. Um, there's this comeuppance that you know there's a payoff that you will appreciate, and it is so good. Uh, so I think the timing was a little bit awkward for them at the time. And even like one of the people that they casted, he, he turned out to be uh, a Me Tour. So they had to, oh, okay. yeah, fire him and then recast him. And there were all these kind of production hiccups. But uh, it's such a good show. So anyway, let me ask you some flashcard questions based on the show. And then you mm-hmm. just answer them. Okay. So like, let's say you're a 40-something-year-old structural engineer. And your middle school son lives in the United States. You and your wife, she's a lawyer. You guys are working parents. You live in Seoul. And you find out that your wife is sleeping with your boss. And your boss was actually your junior in college. And you've always hated his guts. What do you do? Was it just a one-night stand? Or did no, you... this is an okay. ongoing affair. Then I would leave her. Really? Yeah. If it was just a one night stand, we were drunk and it just happened, then I think I could get over it. But if mm. it's really like they're in love and it's a yeah. real affair, then I don't think it could. I could handle it. Mm. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So let's say you're uh, you're a forty something year old man, not the engineer. You're somebody else. When you were in school, you were like the best student. Everybody had high hopes for you. They thought you were going to go to the best school, become super successful. But when you were in your 20s, you left your family, your friends, your girlfriend since childhood, and you became a Buddhist monk and committed yourself to a monastery. And then 20 years later, in your 40s, your ex-girlfriend comes to the temple 
that you're at and demands that you return to society because she's still not over you. What do you do? Am I happy as a monk? Amy, you're a monk. Yeah. It's your life. I don't know. In Korea. In Korea. I've heard they have really good food and like uh, <laughs> in Korea, the monastery, like the Buddhist monks. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, I think I would, I mean, I could never be a monk. So I might, if I was a monk, I might come back, like, you know, become a no, non a normal person. Really? Again. After 20 um, years? But if I was that guy, I might just stay a monk. I don't know. But it must be so boring to be a monk. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're trying to weigh out, like, good food. Mm -hmm. Very boring. Ex-girlfriend wants me to come back. But I don't like it when ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriends, girlfriends come back to you and talk to you. So if I come back, then it's because of my personal beliefs and not because of an ex-girlfriend. Just okay. It's one. It's been twenty years. You haven't been over me. Like what? <laughs> are you a loser? Like you haven't done anything in your life. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. It's been twenty years, and she's like demanding that he return it's it's wild yeah so you're you're a 20 something year old woman you're working as a temp at an office and you have a crush on the 40 something year old engineer guy and you know that the president of the company is having an affair with his wife what do you do uh, if i have a crush on him I might tell him so it's, he's more likely to hook up with me because he knows his wife is having an affair. Mm. You would tell him even if it hurts him? I think at first I would try to... Yeah, because I wouldn't try to hook up with him if I know he has a wife. Mm -hmm. But after... But when I know his wife is having an affair... Then I'm I'm more it's more likely that I would hook up with them. Okay. So you would want them to separate so that you could be with him. Yeah. Hmm. Or at okay. first I would see if it's good and bad. Like I wanted to separate. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> okay. So these are the things that matter to you. Very primal things like good food, <laughs> good in bed. I'm not, yeah, I'm not very intellectual, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not picky. I, yeah. I'm like a dude, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you just need a roof over your head, some food in your belly, and mm -hmm. some and some good fucking. <laughs> That's it. Those three things. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you're the the wife now. You're the attorney wife, and you're having an affair with your husband's boss, and you realize that your husband knows about the affair. But he hasn't said anything to you. What do you do? God, that's so Asian. Um, <laughs> you don't talk about it. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I want to still be with him. So I try to be maybe super, be super nice and stop having the affair. 
Hmm. <laughs> I don't think I would mention it. Oh, okay. Really? So you, both of you, would just cover it up and move on? Yeah, because, yeah, if I, I would stop having the affair and not mention it. Because he might think, oh, maybe that's person who told me maybe the person was lying in the end you know mm. because most of the time a lot of people want to believe that it's wrong mm. okay you give such practical answers <laughs> <laughs> they're very direct succinct practical yeah <laughs> it's great okay oh, so it's also a little bit autistic but okay <laughs> Okay, so let's say, um, this last question. So let's say you're a film director. Your debut feature flopped. In fact, they didn't even release it. They stopped in mid-production because it was so terrible, all right? And the lead actress in that film developed a stuttering problem and like panic disorders because you used to scream at her on set because you just thought that she was the reason why your film sucked. And years later, she now tells you to take responsibility for what you did. What do you do? Um, I would apologize for it. <laughs> and tell her that I would try to work on my anger issues. Yeah, and I think it's super stupid. I hate directors like that. If you mm. scream at the act actor or actress because... It's it will hurt the movie in the end. That that person mm -hmm. will get so terrified to act, to do anything. So it's not smart to do it. Right, because actors are so vulnerable, and they're already seeking your approval at all times. And it's like you're gonna go and scream at them. Yeah, I've been. I was a bookshow show once, and a director screamed at me like at the rehearsal, and I thought, okay, this is really stupid because now i'm stressed out i'm stuttering and mm. it won't be as funny as i could you know as i could be right but then i thought okay i've experienced worse so i don't mm. just do it <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a tricky thing being a director ultimately what it is is just managing people that's what you have to do as a director that's really all it is i feel but you have to be empathetic to do it mm-hmm and I think a lot mm -hmm. of them are just narcissistic. Like it, I think it's just, you know, because it's entertainment. So a lot of people are just crazy. Yeah. What, what, what is some of the thing, like, what are some of the things that you feel like are important to keep in mind when you're directing, when you were directing your film or your web series? I mean, I'm not a good director, but um, I like directors who say, who are calm and tell you what to do better in the next shot and and also like if you have a good idea that they say okay we can do it we can try it in one shot and then do the other thing in the other shot so then mm -hmm. when in the end we can see which shot we want to have in the edit mm. okay so giving offering options so that yeah. they don't feel stuck okay i like that one good really good director who was just like while I was acting, he would just tell me, okay, now you feel like this and this and this, and you've seen dog shit. Do you have to like, you know, because I'm not an act, I'm not an actress. So if they right. tell me that, scream at me and just tell me how I should feel, then I can do it better. Mm. 
telling me how I should how I'm feeling right now. Oh, okay. But but then it's like you know, but then it's like a voiceover scene or something. But because you can't show a scene where the director uh. is screaming at you, you feel sad, sad. Your mother just died. <laughs> 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 right. Okay. So feeding you that kind of direction yeah, so yeah. that you can emit that emotion. Okay. I get it. All right. Again, very practical. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice talking to you, Erica. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is nice talking to you. <laughs> yeah. It's always nice talking yeah, to you. It's like I said, like I hate it. Like people like you who come to Berlin for like a couple of months and then they leave, and it's like, oh, but I thought we were hang out, you know? I know. I'm sorry. It I did so that. much in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a dog who was fostered. <laughs> I know. It's like uh, I'm I'm contributing to your abandonment issues. I feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Next week we're gonna talk about a show called World of the Married, which came out in March 2020. It is the highest rated Korean cable series of all time as of today, which is late December 2020. The highest rated. It beat like Sky Castle, it beat Goblin, it beat like all those um, cable Korean TV shows. It's very intense. It's got this very daytime drama-y feel. Feels like a mom drama, but with like new twisted elements that I haven't seen in Korean TV dramas before. Um, it did not air during the daytime, though. It aired late at night. Uh, Kim Hye is in it. She's a fucking queen. If you don't know about her, I mean, get down with Kim Hye. She's like original KTV kind of queen. And this show is very entertaining, really entertaining. So please check it out and we can talk about it next week. It'll be super fun. And if you have any questions for me, as always, please email me kdramaschool at gmail.com and you can like and follow K-Drama School on all the social media platforms, okay? You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, K-Drama School. Please do that. That would be so helpful. I would really appreciate it. Please uh, give this podcast five stars if you can on Apple Podcast. Um, yeah, please write a nice review. I'd really appreciate that. And uh, if you have any other questions about the show just visit our website kdramaschool.com it's got tons of information and um, i'm happy to connect with you on all these on all these channels you know so thank you for tuning in i'll see you next week bye